It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Ryan McKinnell is in as the company today. Once a company member, always a company member. He uh, did a nice shout-out earlier to uh, one of our P1 listeners for years and years and years. That was very cool. Good way to open the show. Uh, Ari is here, steering the ship. Uh, McKinnell, of course, from SiriusXM. He has moved on to bigger and better things uh, in terms of the Combat Channel, which uh, covers wrestling, Boxing and MMA. I know you're getting back on the MMA horse a lot this week. When are you oh. doing shows this week? Yeah, uh, the next three days. Tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday going to be holding down uh, Unlocking the Cage, which is our flagship three-hour program that uh, Jimmy Smith, famed MMA broadcaster, is uh, hosting. But he's off the next three days, so it's going to be myself. And uh, the sporting news is Andreas Hale, my good buddy. So we're going to be chopping it up with nine hours of MMA content. And then we'll be back next week for uh, International Fight Week live right here in Vegas. I like it. I, I like, like it, it too. Yeah, we'll get into uh, the big, the big setup here in Vegas for uh, fight weeks. Really, uh, UFC's yeah. got back to back to back cards, and then they've also got uh, slap going on oh, on the seventh. Uh, I have to get that. I have to get that. That's a big week for you. The hot dog eating contest and power slap in just a span of a few days. I mean, that's I man. Know. You must be just mm, my over favorite the moon. sports. Yeah. When were you born? Eighty-three, September third, Labor Day. Ooh, so okay, you're right at the beginning of it. You're right at the beginning of it. Yeah. All right, let's do the big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four Number Four You know, I'm older than Ryan, so growing up, you know, I used to hear, you know, kids these days That's what every generation does, no matter what generation you think was the glamour uh, generation They always heard from their parents, kids these days, right? Well, we, we had a tougher, you guys have it easy It's always been that way, and it always will be that way because as people get older, they get more jealous of people who are younger than them, and they're like, "Oh, you know, it's just easier for you, and you're lazy, and you're not, you're not us." So, I've really enjoyed the battle between. So I'm a Gen Xer, right? So that means you were born, I think it was 65 to 80. Yeah, I'm a millennial. And you're a millennial, but I've really enjoyed the boomers, older than me, trying to crap all over the millennials and the Gen Zers. Right, which is now starting to backfire on them because the Gen Zers can now vote. So there's going to be some revenge to be exacted. But I've enjoyed being out of the fray with Gen Xers. So now what I've seen is Gen Xers in my age group, again, 65 to 80, have started to puff out their chest about how tough they were growing up. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to be involved in this fight. Uh, now, now you're bringing hatred upon all of us because you're bragging. Listen to this lady up on TikTok as... I guess someone asked her, hey, are you guys okay? Are you Gen Xers okay? She's like, are we okay? Do you know what you have today versus what we had? It's 2023. It is a cakewalk. We got like 900 TV channels and Prozac. We didn't have anti-bullying campaigns. Our parents bullied us. Our parents would leave us places all the time. They'd forget us at the store and there's no way to get a hold of them. So you just have to sit there and hope they came back for you. The school had to take our pictures and fingerprint us in case we got kidnapped. We were like 30 years old when we were 12, already smoking cigarettes, drinking our parents' liquor. We are older than Google. We spent 30 years taking a dump without a cell phone and no one had to tell us not to eat laundry detergent. So yeah, I mean, we're okay. There you go. You were rolling your eyes. That's this is my fear. Yeah, well, is that people now 
Gen Xers sound like boomers when they do that. And a lot of the yeah. stuff I heard there, I'm like, yeah, I just remember, hey, someone will take care of you. I, you know, like like when you grew up, you just kind of took care of yourself. I didn't think about eating laundry detergent. Yeah, you um, know what? Neither did this generation. Uh, another, here here's, here's another thing. Here we go. Here's another thing about boomers and yeah. Gen Gen Xers yeah. is they don't know how to dis- differentiate anything from what is news and what is clickbait. No one was eating laundry detergent. No one was eating Tide Pods. A few people did it on TikTok, and now it's defined an entire generation. <laughs> they have no idea what they're talking about. Also, yeah. in terms of them being so tough, have you seen stadium fights? From boomers yeah. and Gen Xers? Have you good. seen the way they throw it, a punch? Have you seen good. the way they get worked uh. and thrown down aisles of stairs by people who can actually throw a punch? Because we did grow up with the internet. We do have a little bit of base semblance of what we want and what we you don't guys want. Are smart, and how- I say it all the time. Man, and listen, very smart. I mean, I'm 39 years old. I got more gray in my beard than you do. You know what I mean? I, I, lit- this, I went to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. This is a true story. Went to Guardians of the Galax- Galaxy 3. Matinee show. Go up to the counter. And the kid looks at me right in the face and goes, "Will this be a senior ticket?" Ooh! And and he and 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 I I was so offended. I, he he clearly read it across my face, yeah. and he gave me this you know summer job kid look. He's like, "Guy, I don't I know what know. you want from me." <laughs> and I was just Please, like, sir, and I looked at him. I saw the ticket was five twenty five, and I was like, "Absolutely, yep. give me the ticket." Senior. My point is, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> I old. Bought, I've had in. those. I've had those life scarring moments. I've I'm, I feel like I've been weathered the last few years, uh, but I'm never gonna be that guy. Yeah. The youth always has it tough. Um, the world is a tough place. It will always be tough. Yeah. And the idea that technology makes it easier, I'm sorry. I don't subscribe I to that. No. It makes it tougher. Yeah. You're, you're getting you got so much getting, information. You're getting so bad much, information, yes, and you can yes. be bullied yeah. all the time. The idea of uh, the idea. 24-7, too. Steve, the idea that this generation isn't bullied when you've got, like, uh, 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 what's the term for it? Like, revenge porn, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you go to school and something happens or a picture is leaked and then it's shared to 400 other people. Like, mm-hmm. I got in fights in school, right? And I lost a couple. Worst feeling ever going to school the next day with, like, a black eye or a cut lip or something. And there's, like, 20 people pointing at you and laughing. And you're like, man, I better win my next one, right? How do you think that feels if you're a victim of something like that or if something gets shared and you went viral? Yeah. And, and and your whole not only your whole school but your whole region saw it. All of Las Vegas saw you get absolutely beat up or embarrassed or whatever. It's such a cop out, man. It, it just I roll my eyes so hard at nonsense. So the like one this. that Gen Xers have been pairing with this, uh, you know, whole hey, the '80s were tough and we were survivors is this old commercial. Uh, it's actually a PSA. I don't know if you remember this, but thinking back, I'm like. Wow, that was an interesting time. I wonder why they put this whole PSA together. Do you know where your children are? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? It really was. It was like a. It was like a nightly time check. Like, hey, if you if you didn't pay what? attention, like it is late. Your kids are gone. Was like abduction kids. just running rampant? Like, like what know. are we? What are we doing? The message went from Cindy Lauper to Grace Jones to Andy Warhol of of, of like all the people who's like live responsibly. Um, <laughs> then it eventually, I don't know if you could tell, there was Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. Then it went to Reggie. Reggie's in the Yankee locker room, and he and he's concerned. And then Sammy Davis. 
Sammy Davis Jr. came in. He's like, come on, where are your kids? Yeah, life was so hard. You got so drunk because you had nothing to do that by it. You had to have PSAs to have you check on your kids at 10 o'clock at night. I was in bed by 9 o'clock, and I'm not even going to do the, uh, oh, back in my day. It's just, you were dumber back then. Let's just, like, sum it up. We get better with each decade and with each generation. You're dumber than I was. I'm dumber than the next generation. <laughs> and so goes this vicious I cycle. Now. That. You're talking about the 80s. Uh, I don't know wh why this came up, but it did jog my memory. In terms of, in my day, you talk about slogans and ads, right? right? Jolt Cola, all the sugar, and twice the caffeine. I, I saw that the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, I did drink that. Probably why I'm sitting here sweating, ranting, and losing my mind at 4 o'clock on a Monday. Number three. No damage. No damage. No, no, damage, no, damage, no damage whatsoever. At all. Yeah, no. Uh, one of the guys Perfectly who came normal. out of your era has been extremely productive. He Everything he touches turns to gold. He's trying some tequila now, like a lot of celebrities are. Plus, Mark Wahlberg is a resident now of Vegas, of Nevada. So you're seeing him out a lot, and Allegedly. he's also part of this whole... What does that mean? Come on. What who, is it? Who gatekeeps Las Vegas more than you, Steve Cofield? We're really just going to let him have his Vegas card? He comes in, hands out some tequila, goes to the Palms, I mean, goes to the M. Kind of. Yes, okay. that's kind of the way it works here. I mean, right? I mean, he is Mark Wahlberg. I mean, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to fight over is he really a Las Vegan, but he's he's doing it the right way. You are right so about that. He's lobbying hard for uh, studios to be built in two different spots in town, which we really haven't covered. we got to get to that because it, it ties into giving all the tax breaks and the public money to the A's. But I wanted to concentrate on the tequila thing. So he was out there at the Palms at their pool, and he's pouring his tequila. And I can't ever tell. I like to try everything myself because I think there are so many drink snobs. Yeah. But when I was reading reviews of his tequila, everyone was really crapping on it. And I wonder. Another thing this generation does well, quality control. Are you sure? Oh, People you mean, know you mean, what they like, man. Oh, you're saying like Gen yeah, Z and millennials are much are much Food, more nuanced. Alcohol. Okay. All right. Uh, the green medicine, whatever the case may be, it. right? I, I, I feel like it, each generation, again, gets better, gets more educated. I just – you're right. I guess you guys are smarter and the and Gen Z is smarter than you. I just – I don't think of food all, or, or drink like this, and I should. This is about a $55 bottle of tequila. It's, I guess it's – is it Fletch Azul? Someone goes, the guy goes, I bought uh, this with two other types uh, on Yeho and something else. And it was described, this is Mark Wahlberg's tequila, it was described as an ultra premium tequila filled with 150 years of history and heritage. And then the, the person goes, there's no citrus, no praline, no vanilla, no sandalwood, no baking spice. There's nothing ultra premium. Ooh. You does this you, does this come along? When, when you start using descriptive words like that, I'm just gonna take your word for it. You clearly know what you're the talking about. The guy goes, about. "Does it come with a flavor packet?" I'm like, I just, <laughs> it's not. I, I don't know. It's not like a $500 bottle of. I guess even those suck. I don't know. You wouldn't know. I, I read. I read more about tequila, you know, over the weeks, and I'm like, I, I don't know. People go crazy about this. They go crazy about bourbon. They go crazy about whiskeys. I don't know. I'm like, just give me a mid-level price one. I'm not gonna buy it that often. And, and you know, I'll sip or shoot. It. <laughs> well, like you, the, you are, like this person is like way too into it. But but you know, the celebrities when they get into it, they get great at the hardest. Oh sure. Like don't just put your name on something and think you're going to make zillions. Sadly, they they usually do. Oh, you're also so, you've so, also you've also lived in an era and you come from a time, Steve Cope. I mean, you burned through your taste buds. You know what I mean? Ooh. You know maybe. what I mean? You're just. You know, I tell you what. Um, there's no I did, my, there's no feeling there. Even though it's getting bigger. Uh, my sniffer is not is not as sharp as it used to be. Yeah, everything's fading, man. The end is near. Darkness <laughs> is closing in. Wow.
<laughs> we got on quite the path here by getting on millennials. I apologize. Number two. Number two. Right, you're very pro Marvel. You've told me sure. over and over and over again, hey, you got to watch it in the right order. Watch all the movies, whatever they're up to now, like 30, 31. Um, but with being pro Marvel, you're also very anti-long series on like Netflix, Hulu. So now what do you do here? We got, as we found out from Caleb Herring on Friday, um, I'm so old that he kept saying scrolls. Yeah. And I was like, I was, I was like, what is this scrolls show? And then I finally saw the spelling over the weekend. I'm like, oh, scrolls. All right, so what do you do with Marvel in a long series? Are you uh, mad? Are you going to watch it? Keyword key there being limited series, Steve. But you still have to watch like six, eight episodes, right? Yeah, you got, yeah. But yeah. it ends. But it's not. Exactly. Okay. It ends. And That's there's a clear problem, beginning right? and end point. My issue with series um, after Dexter, after certain shows, you know what I mean? They scar you. You spend seven, eight seasons with Spence being you. like a decade. Yeah. yeah, like a decade of your life. Do, yeah. I mean, it's insane. Like, I started this show when I was 17, and now I'm 27, and I've got a family, and the finale, <laughs> you know, leveled Sucks. me. with yeah. brought, brought so much anger and rage. Again, Dexter ended probably 10, 12 years ago, and yeah, I'm still- You still remember it. I still remember it. I don't do you, forget that feeling of betrayal. Do you get in a series so much that, like, you almost start, this is going to sound really weird. Like, I really get into series where when it ends, I'm like, oh, man, part of my life is gone. Like, I really got into the characters. Hey. Like, like, I was almost on the show. Animal Kingdom. Yep. It was a great show that oh, really man. held strong for the majority of its time. It was kind yep. of a, a sleeper show, and that show ended Which, well. by the way, you? by the way, another shout out. Yeah. You know who loves Smurf? Hopefully everybody. Bill in Green Valley. Oh, man. He did. Love you, he, lo- he freaking loved Yeah, because it was a great show. It was a great character. And he may, hate, he may have hated yeah. me, but the man knew quality. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's probably why he hated me. On the way back, I want to get into Scrolls because I watched the first episode. I'm going to keep up with all, all you right. young people. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. Big four at four. Let's go. We'll roll on here in Reno. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Did you watch Marvel Scrolls? Did you watch it yet? I have watched the first episode, yeah. Okay, what did you think? It was fun. Kind of uh, uh, felt like a bit Mission Impossible, James Bond inspired, you know what I mean? Kind of felt like they were trying to do like a bit of a espionage spy deal with it, but I mean, come on. Got Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury. It's Sam Jackson. I mean, even if it wasn't Marble and Nick Fury, you put Sam Jackson in a limited series, I'm going to watch. Where's the story from? Well, I mean, the comics. Yeah. But I mean, the scrolls. Like you, that did, whole... you, did you know about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I has mean, it been in uh, other yeah. Marvels? Okay. Yeah, the, the, the uh, Captain Marvel with. Um, I don't know if uh, I saw that one. Oh, what's her name? I don't know why her name's escaping me at the moment, but uh, yeah, Captain Marvel. Uh, that was a, they were a, they were a focal point of that, and I feel like littered throughout the whatever. What, what I think like twenty three films, whatever it was, Steve. Uh, the scrolls were kind of like this alien race, like one of the Thors, I believe, had something to do with it. And, okay, and their big thing is they can shapeshift. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, depending on who you talk to in the conspiracy world, a lot of folks out there think that the aliens are walking among us, Steve. Well, just saying. I mean, it's a concept that's been played out before, right? I mean, one of the greatest movies ever, and I, I don't know why I'm blanking on the name of it. What was the Piper movie? 
Oh, they live. Yeah, they Absolutely. live. It was great. Yeah, insanely. Right? Classic. And you had to have the yeah. special glasses on to yeah. see the aliens. For real, everyone. If you haven't sunglasses. seen, they, yeah, if you haven't seen, they live. John Carpenter's They Live. Yeah. I mean, that is it's a little it is cheesy, an, but it actually, when you watch it again, you're like, okay, this is pretty good. Oh, it holds up. Yeah. It's actually yeah. one of the movies that I feel like kind of began cheesy. People maybe yeah. it got like a, a rap because it had a pro wrestler as the lead or whatever the case may be. And then as time has gone on, it has only gotten stronger. The messaging, the the sort of the art of it all. I mean, it really isn't a masterpiece. Interesting. I know you're also fired up for Indiana Jones. Oh, my God. Come on. Now. We're really doing this? What do you mean? Are we, are we really? First of all, no one should be more excited than an 81-year-old man is playing an action hero than you because you're closer to age and Harrison okay. Ford than I am. Right. So why aren't you excited? I'm excited for That's the old people. point. Come on, man. I actually, I this have. Is, this is amazing. I have gotten an appreciation for the lengthening of careers and that people can still do it. Like, I'll give you a good one is uh, on Bupkis, yeah. which is yeah, the uh, Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson yeah, yeah. Joe Pesci's on there. Amazing. And he's like 80, and he's so good. He's in, in Joe a, Pesci. In a comedic role. And I, I don't know if I sent you the details, but there is a show on Apple TV called Shrinking, and it's about a bunch of uh, psychologists, I think. And Harrison Ford is in that, doing comedy at 81. I've heard it's and really he's, good. he's really good. I've heard it's I mean, really the rest good. of the cast is good. They also brought back one of my favorites. Very risky move, though. They brought in Ted McGinley to be, like, the seventh person on the show. So Ted McGinley is the show killer for a lot of people because he was on Happy Days. He's He was the, the, the blonde, kind of streaky-haired guy who eventually was on Married with Children. Okay. I think after Steve, right? Wasn't the Steve character the first? And then, oh, the neighbor, and then, and then the, Ted yeah, McGinley came in. Okay. But Ted McGinley was Love Boat, Happy Days. And it's at the point, like, they bring him in and then because the, the show's already starting to go down. And then it just, eh, that's it. He's like the seventh character. It was a joke. It was a joke. He's, he's finally aged. He's 65 uh, years listen, old. So his lovely locks are gone. But it is, it is a freaking brilliant show. But you're totally into Indiana Jones with an 81-year-old is going to work. Absolutely. Also, they're de-aging him. They use CGI, and yes. uh, this has to do with time travel. They're doing something. But I know he did a lot of his own stunts. He rode his own horses. Uh, listen, we are on the cusp of a generational shift with entertainment, movies, television, however you want to consume it, right, where people are signing away, Steve, their likeness for life, right? They're signing it away because they know that artificial intelligence is on the horizon. They know that holograms. You're going to have these people. You're going to see her. Fam their family is going to be able to approve, like, hey, exactly. dad gets to play in a movie yeah. 30 years with from now. With their and, voices. And we get the money. Right. With their no voices. Way. Because you already see what AI can do. You're hearing Biggie rap to J. Cole songs. Or, you know, uh, uh, I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger doing dialogue from Pulp Fiction. Like, it's. The, you don't think people are going to flip out if they're deceased? celebrity movie star heroes are in movies or they're going to rejoice? I can't predict what people are going to like or not like. I'm sure there will be a market for that going forward to, to hear an album from Drake, you know, 60 years after he's dead with production from this new hot producer. My point is, is in the very near future, because he's 81 years old, Harrison Ford is going to be dead, right? And with that dies Indiana Jones, a franchise that I was born in 83. I think Raiders came out in 84. Temple of Doom was, I think, 88. Crusade was 91, 92. I saw Last Crusade in the theater with Sean Connery and my dad. You know what I mean? Like, at this point, 
a whole section of Americana is going to die. So, yeah, this Thursday when a new Harrison Ford Indiana Jones movie comes out and it will be the last one, you could it could be the worst script known to man. It could be the most unentertaining, lackadaisical, lazy, boring movie that you could possibly imagine. I'd still say it's good. I'm just a mark. I'm a mark for Indiana Jones. So I'm probably like the worst person to ask in this regard. But, yeah, I'm going to be there on Thursday night at midnight seeing that on opening night because – why wouldn't I be? I'll, I'll, I won't be able to do this at a certain point. Real soon. Okay. I like that. That's your that's your rationale with uh, going to concerts and stuff. So, oh, absolutely. You know, the old, Speci- you're, you're like, you want to see everyone before they really lose it or pass. Uh, especially uh, when Prince, like, it was like really when Prince and like Bowie passed and like 15. Oh, it was, it was like, oh my God, I didn't see Prince. Like what, what was what was I doing with myself for the last 30 years? I didn't see one of the greatest artists. Not yeah. just entertainers, we're the oh, greatest yeah. artists to ever live. So, yeah, like uh, McCartney came a few years ago. I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge McCartney fan. I respect the Beatles. I'm going to go. Jimmy Cliff came. Yeah, I'm going to go see Jimmy Cliff. Like, it just it, it lit a fire. I did the same thing recently. I went to see Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Who's 73. Whew. I went to see Rick Springfield, who is the hottest 71-year-old I've ever seen. Good for go you, Go look man. up pictures. It's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> sticking, sticking with that theme. I was like, you know who I got to see? Air Supply. Okay. Your I went list, to see them. List, list I went to see them. They're both in their 70s, <laughs> and they made it to, like, the last song, and then both lost it. They ran out of Air Supply. Like, they, they, they just, like, they were starting to get squeaky because it's so high. And then who else did I see? Chicago. And, you know, they're pretty old. Yeah. So the one guy, Robert, I think it's Robert Lamb, yeah. he's 78. Well, the- and, he, and he sang, and he played the keyboard, but they had him off to the side. And then I noticed they walked him up to the front. Yeah. And like someone was holding his arm. Well, I'm like, wow, what did I? I just watched. You know, you you get a chance to watch people uh, while they still mostly have it, but you better do it. Well, the good news with Chicago is they don't play a particularly strenuous type of music. No, they so. actually, if if you if you've ever seen them, their their roots are like super horn and okay. lots of instruments. No, they're the two horn players. The main guys are like still moving pretty good for like late 60s, early 70s. All right. Like I said, the the guy Robert's 78 years old. No Satara. They by the way, they have a new Satara. They got a young Satara. Is that wait what? Is that Peter Satara was was uh, one of their lead oh, singers, okay. and there was a big rift, and they split up back in the eighties. Wow, big Chicago fan. Wow, and and uh, so they got a young Satara. <laughs> he's sixty six. That's the young guy in the group. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's not that young. My, my litmus test here for me is Metallica. You know, they're nearing their 60s. Just had a, you know, another, I believe, number one You don't think they're going to try to go into the early 70s? Oh, my. oh they're going to go until they stop. They are, yeah. But they're just going to have to change their set list a little bit. Uh, yeah. The drummer Lars Ulrich said, you know, we can't play Battery and Master of Puppets forever. I'll tell you, I've seen them 40 times since 95. Well. Maybe give or take a couple shows. Uh, I don't think they've sounded any better than they do the- right now. The drummers who are going like sixty-five Oof, to seventy-five years old it, are the yeah. most incredible thing yeah. ever. Yeah, like it's one thing to hope you still have your voice. Like, you know, Axl Rose does not. Yeah, it's bad. Oh, really? You've heard them? Uh, I saw them on the first, very first show they did in Vegas. The first show good? in twenty years. I was there then. It was so good. Uh, Axl had a broken leg that show. That That's Dave right, Grohl yeah. gave. And they make you wait until like twelve thirty. I went back. No, I went. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they did. Made you wait but I night. went that night and bought tickets for Phoenix like eight months later, and they were and even better. Good? I've been really okay. impressed by them. But I uh, talk about you know staying behind the kit and and setting the pace for a band and and doing their thing. Uh, Charlie Watts with the Rolling Stones. I saw them four or five times before he passed uh, since 95, and I was always amazed. And obviously there's Mick out there. I think everyone gets lost with the fact that he's out there at God knows what age he is now, just jumping and waving and just more energy than, you know, people that are 50 years younger. And legitimately the man is an absolute entertainer. But, yeah, it it goes back to what we were talking about, you know, taking it in and enjoying it while it's here because, you know, rock and roll – 
It's going to go through its ups and downs and changes, but the birth of rock and roll started essentially in the 50s and 60s. The Rolling Stones were a big part of that. The Beatles were a big part of that. At some point, that's all going to be gone. Uh, the cinema is the way we know it, the action summer blockbusters, Harrison Ford, Han Solo, Indiana Jones, like that's going to be gone, and I'm going to sit here and enjoy it. Like I'm, I know it's coming Like with anything. That's life. That's change, right? But it's also, I think, a, a bit of a lesson to – Sit back and relax and enjoy while it's here and not get all wrapped up in the drama and the reviews and Rotten Tomatoes said this and my cousin said right. this. Shut up. Who cares? I like that you dialed it down on old people now. You were what? really. Did you see how much gray is in my beard? You were really frenzied earlier just attacking folks my age and older. <laughs> I wonder what you would have thought when we had Paul Anka on last week. I listened. And Uncle Paul, Willie's uncle, he's 81, but he went into a couple of moments like, Back in my day, Vegas, and yeah, back but he was talking about singers. the Rat Pack. So like, there, you can but, you can you was, can go back in. But my there day. was a little feel where I wonder if some people were like, "Oh man, he's doing back in my day." Well, they should shut up and appreciate the fact yeah. that Paul Anka is alive and talking yes. and sharing Very sharp. stories Very from sharp. sharing stories from a, an era. Okay, damn Americana, which you can absolutely encompasses the world. Actually, Paul Anka is a worldwide phenomenon. But here in this city, in Las Vegas, the stuff he's seen and the things he can talk about, the stories he can share, man, I was locked in for all of that. So we got tickets to the NBA Summer League. It's coming up July 7th to July 17th at the Thomas and Mac. You can grab your tickets at UNLVtickets.com. We've got a four-pack for day five, which is on July 11th. So call our seven right now. 364-1100, 364-1100, 364-1100, caller 7. Ari will hook you up with that four-pack. You can also win tickets by going to register at lvsportsnetwork.com and potentially win a pair of tickets up on the website, and those will be in the Michelob Ultra Courtside Lounge. So how cool is that? So that will be announced right before the Summer League kicks off, and we will get into some news later on. It does look like Wemby is very much committed to playing in the summer league and showcasing himself. I know he just backed out of some responsibilities with the French national team. You know, the other guy we need to talk about later on is Chet Holmgren. It's it's funny how quickly things change. Or don't. Where where he was the unicorn, and then a year later, it's like, oh, seven-foot small forward? Oh, meet Mr. Seven-foot-five small forward. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Rolling towards the second half of the program, Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. McKinnell's in, helping us out today, along with uh, Ari, who's steering the ship here on a Monday. I love when McKinnell tries to play the role of Cofield and stir the pot. Let's see if it works here. Because I sometimes I see topics and I'm like, that's not going to work. That will not work on me. Why did you go in the Wayback Machine on this story? Well, it seems like there's a documentary out right now, a series on Netflix. It is uh, centered around one of my favorite players in any sport, in any generation, in any era, Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. It's called Junior. Right. right. And apparently in the latest episode, it documented a story, which I'm sure – in your Yankee fandom, you have to be aware of on some level, right? Goes back to when Junior's dad, Senior, was obviously playing for the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. And this was it, I believe, in 1982. I believe the year was. You're right. 81, uh, 81 82 area. It, it, Ken Griffey Sr. was with the Yankees. Yeah. So was 
Craig Nettles. Greg Nettles, he's, third baseman. He's, he's part of the story. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, apparently, Junior was hanging out in the dugout, as kids of, of, of players do, right? Uh, but word came down from the top, old George, George Steinbrenner, owner at the time, didn't allow kids of players to be in the dugout. So he sent Junior packing. Senior told Junior, you know, why don't you step away, go back out to the car, I don't know, hang with your mom, whatever the case is. But he's like, on your way out, take a look at third base. And as he's walking out, Greg Nettles' kid at the third baseline, who, by the way, shockingly or not shockingly in the case of this story, is white, was fielding ground balls. Now, what's great about this story and the reason I love this is, number one, you're a Yankees fan, but you also, you are one of the most petty individuals I know. You have, you have this insane memory that you just hold on to grudges it's forever. It's pretty incredible. Oh, it's beautiful, though. It's I mean, I, 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 it's I get, inspiring. I, I get friends with it. Oh. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. There's a guy who covers uh, hockey on the national level. I saw that he decided to get involved in that whole Russian pride thing. Yeah. And he had so much anger directed his way that he's now gone private on his Twitter account. Well, I worked with that guy back in 98. Okay. And he wrote uh, like an all-staff email complaining about how we did our hockey spots with him, which he actually was right, but never came to us directly to talk about it. And I still remember it when I saw that he had run into some trouble trying to be a tough guy. I was like, good. I just love that you have the time. You have the you have the space. 20, 24 years ago. Yeah. 20, you're proud of it. See, 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 Ari, you could see a look on his face. The listeners couldn't see the oh, look on his up. face. Yeah, you, you lit up like mm-hmm. a Christmas tree. You're mm-hmm. like 24 years. Yeah, Never take forget. that. Well, Griffey's got you beat. Junior's got you beat in this case because he remembers oh, third base. 40, yes, 41, 41 years. years ago. Wow. Now, what's great is Junior has been on the record before. There was the, the All-Star game in 95 when he was signing uh, autographs. And I believe he was, a, he was a free agent the next year. And someone, he was caught on video. Someone was asking, you know, like, hey, we come to, come to New York. And Griffey said, even if they were the last team on earth, the only baseball team, that was, you know, playing and they're fielding. I don't know how that would work, right? right? He's like, I would retire. So the pettiness, you know, it, it, it yeah. is there in Griffey. It is probably – and listen, Jordan had a lot of great athletes have it. They have a long memory. Oh, yeah. it, it fuels them Jordan, to a Jordan, Jordan's Hall of Fame speech is oh, the best ever. It's ten people that like, wronged him. He celebrated yeah. as the greatest yeah. athlete in the history of organized yeah. sports. And you're right, the ten people, he yeah. was like, F you. Yeah, and they're all I'm like – I'm going to make my whole speech And they're all like pre-NBA like, F you's too. Yeah. It's all like high school assistant or like former bully or like yeah. ex-girlfriend that wronged him. It's like, dude, you, you are psychotic – but it's beautiful. It really yeah. does sort of lay the groundwork. Well, like, yo, if you want to be great, you've got to be petty and demented. What else is a memory for? Like, nice things? <laughs> <laughs> celebration of life? <laughs> Remembering birthdays and, like, neighbors' names? No. Do you know your neighbors' names? No. Me either? No. <laughs> I, no but I, you, but no. you could go back 24 no, actually, years ago to the NHL guy who wronged you. I actually do because uh, we text back and forth with the lady who lives next the to lady. us. The yeah. lady. What's her name? Linda. Okay. Yeah. Good, nice cover. I, I, there's other reasons I remember. I'll tell you during the break. <laughs> uh, this hour is brought to you by Battleborne Injury Lawyers offices in Reno and Henderson in Las Vegas. You can call from anywhere in the state. 766-1400-775 in the north. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yeah, so on the Ken Griffey thing about uh, the documentary that's, that's out in the last couple of years and him hating the Yankees from you know a childhood experience with some you know dope, with some dopey racist usher. Maybe that came straight down from Big George and Big George is a racist. I don't, it, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. 
his father, his, if his father kind of delivered it that way, like, hey, look out at third base, look at the two whites who are allowed to stay on the field. Yeah. My, uh, my young son, you know, this is, we're talking about Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. But uh, Would you have a problem if it came down from Big George? Of course. Okay. Yeah, of course. Would I believe it? Yeah, to, yeah, to a certain extent. I would hope as he got older, he you know got a little smarter. But, yeah. I mean, he certainly had it out for Reggie Jackson and Dave Winfield. For a long time, but uh, yeah, but Reggie but, was a jerk. We're talking about the kid. We're talking about Junior. You're talking about the man who, I mean, took my fandom to. I mean, I'm a White Sox fan, but you're yeah. tripping if I, I didn't. I, Jay Buhner and Edgar I, Martinez and Ken I enjoyed Griffey watching Jr. Ken Griffey, oh and I, I did the hat on backwards thing. He was a trendsetter there, and you know, back back in my day, we didn't wear the hat best, backwards. Best swing um, in the history of baseball. But I don't care what Ken Griffey thinks yeah. as a Yankee fan because I, I. I think Griffey was another one of those guys who was generally unhappy his entire career, just like Bonds. And Bonds maybe made himself a little bit happier by, get, by, by getting hopped up yeah. and trying to compete. Um, I don't know that Griffey ever did that stuff. Um, I think players, sons of, of Major League Baseball players can all be kind of different. I mean, that's not, I'm not making a brilliant statement there. I think some grow up and, and get crushed by the expectations, and then even when they surpass their dad, they're still unhappy. And I think Griffey was kind of like that. I don't think I, it didn't seem to me that Griffey was always like real joyful about playing. And then and then the way the way he orchestrated the exit from Seattle was kind of absurd. He wanted to play for his dad's own team, but he went to a you know the Reds who I don't think the Reds have really tried a whole lot, you know, since the late '80s. So I don't know, he's a weird guy to me. I've never really been able to get a grasp on who Ken Griffey is. So well, I don't get I, mean, I don't get mad that he had. There's a lot of people who are like that who grew up. Uh, for some reason, hating the Yankees. I mean, if his dad had a bad experience there, then yeah, if you're, you don't listen with your parents. They, they didn't, they didn't hand anything down where they were like, "Hey, I don't like this," and and you were like, "I don't like this either." Sure. Oh, absolutely. Some things, you know. Yeah. I yeah, mean, if they had an axe to grind, you're like, "Hey, that's my enemy too." Of course, of course. But I mean, listen it, to your point about Junior being a weird dude. You think about the end. I mean, as a White Sox fan, I was obviously a part of it. And uh, I think there's a famous story about him falling asleep in between innings. And I think alcohol played into it towards the end. And, you know, he he it's weird for as great as he is and as great as he was. Griffey still I know we're kind of moving on from the Yankees thing a little bit. I still think a large what if factor with Griffey. You know what I mean? Like had he not let it go there towards the end had he been a little bit healthier i mean still obviously five six hundred right. home runs everything yeah, he, was awesome. he was able to do but. but he just always seemed kind of sullen yeah he did and then meanwhile yeah. there's guys like bryce harper who i think bryce and and it's different he wasn't the son of a you know major league player but he was anointed at 15 years old to be the guy and when you get anointed that early and you're you know hey this he's going to be the next one and griffey was that yeah sometimes you can crumble and, under it and sometimes when you achieve like harper he's having the time of his life well and to your point also you used another example obviously you know barry bonds and it wasn't just bobby it was obviously you know his godfather <laughs> willie mays who constantly he was compared to and mm -hmm. even when he you know eclipsed them and became arguably the greatest baseball player to ever live there was still that chip on his shoulder Steph Curry is a guy I think has reacted. His dad was a really good three-point yeah. marksman, and he's I think he's enjoyed surpassing his dad, and he's handled all the pressure, and he's mostly a pleasant guy. Again, yeah. he's going to be part of the match, which we're going to talk more about Steph and Clay against uh, Kelsey and Mahomes. That's coming up next hour. So I'm completely fascinated with what the Warriors did last week. So they clearly chose Draymond Green over Jordan Poole, which would suggest to me that there was a lot more of Jordan Poole uh, where somehow they could justify him getting cold cocked and, and knocked out. I don't know. It seems it seems like a weird thing to me. It seemed to me to to ruin the chemistry of a team. I think it took them down a little bit. Kerr admitted that that it did hurt them 
this year, but they want Draymond Green back. I think Poole being out, and we're seeing all these other teams that might want Draymond, I think Draymond's going back to the Warriors. I think that's where he should be. Carr wants him. Steph yeah. wants him. He's going to come back. He opted out of his deal. He's going to get more money and probably get a three-year deal that's going to push him to like $33 million a year. They think it's worth it. And chemistry is everything. You saw We talked about it earlier in the show. You know, Curry, uh, Curry very clearly the best player on the team, not just best player on the team, generational, greatest shooter to ever live. You build around that. They know everyone knows their role. I think Clay is the a bit of the wild card. You know, he hasn't been the same, obviously, for uh, for a couple years. But, I mean, if there's anything that dynasties have taught us, you know, throughout history, but specifically in the NBA, and I obviously lean on my history as a Bulls fan, you ride that until the absolute wheels have fallen off. And due respect to Jordan Poole, really good player, right? He didn't have anything to do with any of that. Not really. It was those three. It was Draymond, it was Clay, and it was Steph. That was the nucleus. You build around that, and until they prove that they are – a non-factor, which I don't believe that at all that they've proven to that to be the case. I still think they're a dangerous team. I still think they can give Denver a run for their money if they meet in the playoffs and, you know, they can have a good series, right? And I think without Draymond, I think a lot of that goes out the window. Obviously, a physical presence, mm-hmm. uh, an agitator, someone who can take and de- 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 deflect the attention of a game or a series or whatever the case may be. He's not sexy, right, in the traditional sense of, like, a a star we would expect. He's definitely, I feel like, an outlier in today's NBA, but that's even almost more of a reason to keep him and keep him in the fold and pick him over Jordan Poole. He's the bad guy. Yep. He's the glue guy. He's the enforcer. Tony Montana's told us. He's the one who keeps everyone motivated. Now, the problem is he's not rock solid mentally, so sometimes he gets a little wacko. Ah, Who's who's rock solid mentally? And can actually hurt your team, so he's got to keep that under control. Um, And, you know, I was saying last week, if he went to a mid level team like the, you know, he goes back to Michigan, he goes and plays for the Pistons, I don't think he could keep it together if they weren't winning. No. And there wasn't a lot to play for because the year that, uh, you know, the year that Steph and Clay were hurt, you know, almost the entire year, he just, he kind of faded, uh, had some injuries, and didn't play a whole lot. But here's the interesting thing. So, Draymond Green, by many around the league, is not liked because he's an agitator. Many people don't like CP3. Well, if Draymond Green's back, CP3 is going to be there unless there's another crazy trade. So, they brought in Chris Paul. So, this is going to have to work. Everyone's going to have to blend together. Listen to Draymond Green from a little while back on uh, – what is it, All the Smoke, right, the podcast. And he's on there, and he starts talking about Chris Paul, and, and it's pretty honest. He's like, I, I don't like him. I don't like CP at all. Like, we don't have a good relationship at all, but I respect his hustle, and I respect his IQ. He's smart as hell. And CP was kind of using, like, CP saw stuff coming up. You know, once you start to get older in this league, you start to realize, like, okay, this guy is coming. And so I would kind of see CP kind of keeping stuff at bay you know, Steph is Steph. Like, he ain't got the street part to him. And so... He ain't confrontational at all. He ain't yeah. confrontational. Okay. So, CP3, Draymond Green thinks, was a little bit disrespectful towards Steph Curry. And what he was saying there in the middle is, you know, when you're a great player, you do see the guys who are coming behind you who are 8 and 10 years younger, and you're yeah. like, uh-oh. Uh, I'm Ability-wise, I may not be able to keep up with him in a couple of years. So, now there's got to be maybe some mental games and some intimidation that way, and Draymond Green said that bothered him, which is fascinating because I feel like they're that's Draymond. Yeah, they're the yes. same player. That's exactly. They're both <laughs> annoying. They're both highly annoying. Chris Paul is an extremely annoying player. It's also not just the little elbows that he gives or the steps on the feet or whatever he might do. It's also the look on his face that when he does it. Like he's just a highly unlikable player. But 
Draymond used one word, and it's the only word that matters. It's respect. It's like, I don't like him, but I respect his acumen, his basketball IQ. I respect his work ethic, his mind. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out because, listen, man, this is team sports. I guarantee you there are players on the nights that don't like each other, but they just want a Stanley Cup. You are never going to get in a room of 15 to 20 individuals, men or women, all those different personalities. Oh, and in this case, 100 millionaires. Like, don't ever give me $200 million. Put me in a team. You know, tell me anything. I, I'm sorry. I make $200 million. What are you going to tell me? What, I should do what? Right. Right? So you're, you've got all this, these different emotions and all these different egos to manage. They'll figure it out. Chris Paul's been in a lot of locker rooms with a lot of people who don't like him. Now he's actually in a locker room that, you know, has a chance to get him a championship. Probably more so than other teams he's been on. Maybe not the place he just left, but other teams he's been on. So what do you think of his quick commentary there? where he said Steph's not like that. He's not confrontational. What do you think of that? I think there's probably some truth to that. You know, I think Steph does his talking with his shooting, right? That's why you see seven feet beyond the, you know, three-point line and he's draining buckets in people's face and doing his little shimmy like that's his confrontation that's his confrontation he's like yeah you can punch me in the face you can step on me you can you know hit me in the groin you do a million different things to me I'm not literally gonna get back and do my Draymond I'm not gonna get my I'm not gonna throw a punch I'm not gonna get physical with you I'm just going to hit threes until you cry and you're sitting at home fishing in the summer you know what I mean how about linking it to the way Steph grew up like he's not from the streets like me or Steven Jackson. Yeah, you're all worth millions of dollars. You can save that nonsense. I don't No, I mean in terms of being confrontational. Yeah. I think there's people who were born wealthy who are confrontational. Christian I don't Leighton. I don't think it means you're, you know, you're the, you know, pussycat. Yeah, I don't think it yeah, I don't think one is indicative of the other. I think it's just how you are made and how you do. First of all, they're all highly competitive, right? They all snap back. They bite back. Yep. They all do. They just do it in their own ways. I don't think there's any timid, truly timid players. In, in, in high-level sports. Like, true, like cowards? That's Because that's basically what Draymond's saying, right? Oh, he's a coward. He's soft. He doesn't get it yeah. like I get it. There's nah, no man, soft. You're all extremely driven yeah. Yeah. and competitive. So, CP3 is coming to the Warriors. We were just talking about Draymond Green on a podcast recently before the acquisition, talking to Steven Jackson and, you know, mentioning, hey, uh, you know, this is what I think of CP3, so now everyone's going to turn it into, like, they're not going to get along. Um, they will get along. But I want you to listen to – Listen to Draymond Green and the way he operates in the team structure and what he believes his job is to a certain extent. And I think you'll like this as you always call me a troublemaker or a potster. Listen to Draymond. With me coming from where I come from and the way I grew up, I'm kind of watching like, yo, he kind of rock with you, Steph, but he kind of don't. He kind of keeping you at bay. I took it upon myself to try to create division there. Okay. I took it upon myself to create division hey. there. So it was almost like, Steph, you need to hate him or else. Do you know how valuable don't that be, is? Don't be so nice to him. So, hey, you know what? Just talking, this is, this just talking be, in Steph's ear. This might be don't a, you hate CP3? This might be and a Steph's pull. like, why are you always talking about CP3 and how much I need to hate him? This might be a horrible comparison, but remember that pool game I referenced that you and I shot a couple weeks ago? Yes. Remember? Course, there, yes, was, did, there, was, yes. there was someone in the bar that was upsetting me that wanted the table and yada, 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 right? Yeah. And I went through, and they they upset me, yeah. and I demolished them. I yeah. think I had seven balls. It like, was boom, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yep, everything was gone. Right now, then you and I did a best of five, right? And, and you, you were, went up two two zero on me, okay. and you're like, "What happened?" I was like, "Well, I like you, so that was a problem." Like, so I, I actually I told the story the other day that I watch you 
fend off a wanter of the table by destroying them, just making every shot, yeah. and then you were on my level after that, and I was like, I maybe he was sandbagging the whole time no. just to hang out. No, I was just up. You have to make an admission here on Las Vegas Radio, were you? <laughs> I would never. Did you do give that. me an easy touch just I, so just so we could stick around? I would never. I, mean, do I appreciate that. that. Yeah, no, I Thanks, would never. No, I would never do that. I don't. I don't cheat, and I don't ever take it easy. Those are two things I don't do. I do everything to the best of my ability at all times because I mean I don't. Yeah. That's what competition is, right? But the those. You ingredients were, you were a maniac yeah That's awesome. right but i'm not always that way yeah. right like i can go into something and i can be if i'm not upset or agitated so in we, a certain do we actually think steph curry needs motivation from no, dr no, Dre to go no, off on people no because no. that was that's what but he's also, suggesting that's it is what i'm suggesting but right. I, but more from the standpoint that those players that ingredient in a team is absolutely needed. Oh, and, 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 hey, how can we say – we don't know Steph without Draymond. Maybe Draymond's been that secret ingredient Maybe. the entire they time. They think he's worth it. They think hey. he's worth the money. Uh, chance to win two tickets right now. Alice in Chains. These are winning before you can buy them tickets. Alice in Chains, October 10th. Planet Hollywood. The tickets go on sale Thursday, June 29th at 10 a.m. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get them, but Ari's got a pair right now. 364-1100. Caller 7.